right, here we go. Episode 109 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. Bringing back two-time guests now on the video portion, Dom Taylor. We're going to open up the show with some college football because last week, the initial – actually, it's two weeks now, two weeks ago, the initial college football rankings came out. We didn't have them on that week, having them on this week. Full disclaimer, today is Tuesday when we're filming the show. Actually, the new rankings are technically coming out today. When the episode airs, it's going to be Thursday. So if we talk about the rankings, know that we don't actually have the current updated rankings, at least from from Tuesday at 6 o'clock. So by the time you watch this on uh, Thursday, this will have been filmed two days before. Just full disclaimer before we get into it. Um, Sam, before we get started, how was your week? I know you went to... The Oregon-Washington game, and your family came up to visit, so I'm assuming that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. I, I don't think I've ever driven to Seattle more times in my life, uh, just up and back, up and back. Uh, the UW game, cool stadium. That's the first uh, college football stadium that I've been to other than than Autzen, um, but it was the worst game day experience I've ever been to. It was pouring, windy, like 40 degrees, we, I only sat in my seat for maybe five minutes of the first quarter and then immediately went to a tent and watched up until the third quarter and just had to leave. Like there was just no other way, no other getting about it. I I don't know how Oregon pulled it out, man. Th- those conditions were insane. I don't know if I have a story like that for going to a game. Dom, do you have anything that's – have you ever been to a live sporting event that was just – miserable I don't know about miserable honestly the worst the worst memory I have from from watching a sporting event was at Oakmont High School (laughs) and I know y'all will (laughs) I know y'all will uh kind of feel the the same way it was just really cold after our JV game one year when I was a sophomore I mean it was like probably like 40 35 degrees and we had to watch the seniors just absolutely obliterate our rival Oakmont. And um, they did it, of course, because we always do that at Roseville. But um, it was just terrible. I don't really know why I stayed, you know. They were just destroying them. Everything else has been great. I don't know. It was, like, really cold for the LSU game two years ago uh, when Alabama unfortunately lost to a Joe Burrow-led LSU team. Um, I was up to get ready for game day, and it was, like, 30 degrees in the morning and I wanted to get one of the hard hats which um I did by the way oh, so it was well worth it but I also almost froze to death so yeah it's just been cold don't really like the cold that much can you not get one of those just at Home Depot yeah I mean you can't because I'll bring it back it's got the it's got the game day oh, logo wow. on the side so it's authentic. I didn't just buy one <laughs> limited edition. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Like a well, part of me, because like this was the first time I get to see Oregon in person this year. It was it's like a my my mind was just split in two. Like, do I leave and save my body because this <laughs> is just awful? And I am shivering so like <laughs> just shivering the whole time. But I paid money for these tickets to see this team for the only time. It's like, what gives in at a certain point? I, th- I think 
the fact that I stayed in a lot of Oregon fans stayed longer than UW fans at the game. At a certain point, it was it was a Oregon home game pretty much in in Husky Stadium, and good on those Oregon fans for traveling out. They man, it, it was awesome the atmosphere in that stadium. Well, it benefited them. I mean, hey, they got the win, so. <laughs> Bro, they so, should that that wash they shouldn't have even been playing around with that Washington team. I mean, that Washington offense was so bad they fired their OC after the game. That's how awful it was. They shouldn't have been that close. Well, let's get into some of these games and let's get into some some talk about the rankings and stuff because no, we never actually got your initial thoughts on the first rankings, which was Georgia at one, Alabama at two, Michigan State at three, and then Oregon. At four, so those are the initial rankings. The number one sentiment that I heard coming out of those rankings from a lot of people on ESPN was the committee sent a clear message that Cincinnati had no chance of getting in unless other people, other people, other programs in front of them lost. So, just initially, what were your thoughts with the first rankings? You know, for the most part, I um. For the most part, I agree with him. There were a couple things that I was pretty surprised about. I, I've always been a big supporter of Cincinnati. Now, granted, you're asking me these questions were a week removed from these rankings, and we already kind of know what's happened. So mm-hmm. I can't exactly support the same teams that are already ranked or that were ranked in the last ranking, but I'll give you my thoughts. First off, you're totally right. Cincinnati absolutely disgraced, I guess. But in fairness, they followed up being disrespected and put at the sixth spot by struggling to beat a three and five Tulsa team when game day was there and all the attention was on Cincinnati. So that's something they can't do. Obviously, they're still undefeated, um, but they have a couple uh, really tough matchups. One of their biggest matchups of the year actually is uh, against SMU that's coming up in a couple weeks. SMU is like, I think. It might be ranked right now. They were ranked about a week ago, but they're they're like a one-two loss team. Really high-powered offense, and uh, Cincinnati just had their running back injured in the last game. They're like star running back who's um, has the majority of their touches for the year. So not looking great. Um, they are obviously still undefeated, but there's a huge potential that that could not be the case. And if they don't blow every single team out by like at least thirty, and then win their conference championship, there's no chance that they get in the college football playoff. Um, as for you, a team, sorry, go ahead. Were you at all surprised to, just to cap off that thought? Were you surprised? Like if you, if you were making your own rankings, would, would you put them in? I would put them, I would put them at four. Yeah. I would put them at four. Um, just because they have shown up until last week, quite honestly, they had shown that they've kind of run the table the right way. Um, and there weren't a lot of teams that it's so hard to be undefeated, especially in a weird year like this. And we kind of touched about it on the last episode. There's been a, there were a ton of upsets. Then there've been a ton more now and Cincinnati has yet to have that happen to them. Um, it's really tough to be undefeated this year and they're doing it. Um, but last week was pretty unimpressive. And so I, I would have put them at four last week, but this week I think that they're sitting right where they should be. Probably they'll probably, probably be, about six, they'll, they'll stay right where they, they were um, when these new rankings come out in about an hour. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to 
to do with you on the show is there was an article on ESPN that just got posted and I wanted to get, figured there would be some good talking points and they'd be relevant, you know, on Tuesday and on Thursday as well. The first one kind of hits home with you. It's a question about the, uh, about Alabama. The title of the article is college football week 10 overreactions. And one of the first overreactions that they put on it was Alabama isn't a top four team. So as somebody who has a bunch of Alabama stuff right behind me, um, what what are your thoughts on that? Is Alabama? Do you think they're a top four team or or no? Uh, I it's so hard for me to answer this question this year uh, in particular. Any other year, I would have told you that whoever wrote that article should have their you know should be rejected from what, whatever journalism conferences that they go to, whatever it is. You know, they should be absolutely tossed aside, but. This year is different. Alabama is very um, suspect, I would say, um, for several reasons. One, penalties. We are uh, currently – I actually pulled this up earlier because I wanted to mention this at some point because this is just atrocious. Alabama is currently ranked 107th, 107th out of 130 FBS teams in penalties per game. Uh, we have amassed – absolutely disgusting 67 penalties for 601 yards in nine games. We are way too sloppy when it comes to penalties. Um, We are one of the most inconsistent teams in America. One game, our offense will completely carry and our defense will have a bunch of coverage busts that lets, lets up 21 to 28 points a game. The next game, our amazing coordinator, which I say that completely sarcastically Bill O'Brien, <laughs> um, he, I, I, you guys know as as NFL fans, this man just, I don't understand. I, I don't understand this guy at all. But Bill O'Brien will sometimes make our offense terrible. The play calling makes absolutely no sense. We just put up six rushing yards, six rushing yards against LSU, Alabama, the Alabama Crimson Tide notoriously putting running backs in the NFL, notorious downhill running game, six rushing yards on like 25 carries. That doesn't happen. That hasn't happened in in decades. And that happened against LSU, a team that's like four and four struggling to make a bowl game. So quite honestly, I don't think we're one of the top four teams. Will we stay in the top four? Because, yes, there's an Alabama bias, and the committee trusts Alabama's resume because we do have, or as of last week's rankings, we had top three, three top 25 wins, which was second most behind Georgia. So that's one of the reasons they kept us at two. But in terms of the eye test and in terms of the stats and consistency, I don't think we're one of the top four teams. I think you put – I think you Georgia consensus number one. They are almost – unflawed number two it's probably ohio state um i think they've played way more consistently number three is oregon and i understand oregon beat ohio state but since then oregon is their margin of victory in the eye test they pass it way better than oregon has oregon still winning their games still really impressive win against ohio state i would put them three at four just by default, it's probably going to be Oklahoma because they will more than likely run the table against the Big 12. They'll win their conference and get in. 
Okay, so the next question, and Sam, this one hits home a little bit for you, and I can even ask you this question too as well. Um, this was one of the other, I'm glad you mentioned Oregon, because Oregon was the next overreaction that they had on this list. And it says Oregon is a lock for the CFP. So Sam, as a, as a fan of them and somebody who I know has, has watched these games, do you think it's safe to say that Oregon is a lead pipe lock for the CFP? Man, that's a scary, scary conversation. I mean, this this team right here, this this O right here, once you believe in them and once you think that they're taking that next step to being one of those teams, they immediately lose to a Stanford in Arizona State or any of those you're talking teams. About. <laughs> Every single year you think that this team is going to be good and return to that Mariota-ish status that they had. They just – sometimes prove you wrong. So it's a little scary. I think this team is definitely different. Um, wow. Knock on wood. Holy cow. I'm just doing it to myself. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, they have a great chance, man. And I think it mostly comes down to the level of opponent that they have left. I mean, it is the weakest road going forward for any of the teams that are looking to be into the college football playoff. I mean, and they've, you know what, they've taken care of the business that they had to take care of. That Ohio State game was the game that was going to make or break their season. If they lost that game, bye-bye playoff chance. Since they won, it puts them in a little better position, and they had more wiggle room to throw away a game against a really bad Stanford team. So, I mean, they've taken care of that business. Now they just got to keep going and uh, not totally embarrass themselves like they usually do every year and what they did earlier this year. Right. Dom, what do you think? Are, are you putting Oregon in as a lock for the CFP? I don't think anybody's a lock for the CFP except for <laughs> except for Georgia. Yeah. Except for Georgia. Right. Um, they Georgia could lose either one of the next well, not either one, but they have to play several great teams, including Alabama, if they win the SEC championship. Even if they lose that, they're probably still in. That's the only team I would say about that. Oregon, notorious for getting right there and screwing it up. <laughs> like, calling card of Oregon. So, they yes, they have an easy schedule, but the trap game is coming, and that trap game is Utah. <laughs> that trap game is 100% Utah. They play the Utes on November 20th at Utah, and the, Utah, uh, the Utes are leading the Pac-12 South. They're a six and three team. I mean, if they beat if they beat them, then that's it. You know, they're not going to lose to Oregon State. That's at Austin. They host Washington State uh, this upcoming week. So just, that's the game. You get past that game, you're going to go to the Pac-12 championship. You'll probably play Utah again. So honestly, win win both of those. I guess they can't afford another loss. But so I'm I get I get past that I trap game. I think that they can do it. I can't move past the facial expressions that Sam was making during that. So he was talking about that Utah game. And I, I got it. What was going through your head? So, so I was looking at, the, I was looking at the schedule and Washington state for a, a program that's been a little bit up and down as of late, they've had great success against Oregon teams over the years. It doesn't matter how the level of quality that Oregon's putting out Washington state, just for somewhat, some some other reason just plays super well. And then Oregon State last year upset Oregon. That's a, I mean, that's still a, kind of a scary game. They're the second 
they're ranked second in the uh, Pac-12 North right now. Oregon State is. They're having a good year, well, a good year for their standards. Um, so honestly, I'm not frightened about the Utah game because I think this Oregon team is one of those teams that plays to the level of their competition. And I think they'll get up for that game because Utah's a pretty well-respected program. It's that Washington state and Oregon state game it, it Oregon state would want nothing more than to end in Washington state, both those, both those fan bases and both those schools would love to end Oregon's chances and end this year for them. Well, okay. So with all of that going on, the, the main theme of these top four teams, and I mean, hell, even the season has really been uncertainty. But like you guys said, the one certainty is probably Georgia. So with that being said, Dom, if no matter how the top four shakes out, regardless of whoever gets in, right, does anybody realistically have a chance of beating Georgia this year? Yes. Uh, well, here, I'll add something to that. If that is the case, then who has the best shot? We don't obviously know who's going to get in, but what team stacks up the best to be able to beat them? Right. I don't know if there's a team that's, that stacks up the best necessarily. I would say when Bama plays their best, Bama is probably the team because I think pound for pound – we're talking about talent and personnel, Alabama matches up the best. Kirby Smart is also, you got to remember, Kirby Smart is directly off the Nick Saban coaching tree. He was our defensive coordinator for close to a decade. Um, and so, you know, he, most of what he's implementing at Georgia now is stuff that he's taken from Nick Saban. Um, Nick, they understand each other. They, they kind of know their, idiosyncrasies they know their coaching styles their habits and so it's kind of like it's like a chess match whenever they play and Alabama the last few times has gotten the best of them um defensively obviously this Georgia defense is one of the best of all time like it doesn't even come close I think uh, a couple weeks ago I, I don't know how this stacks up now but at one point this season every other college football team in America through seven games had had 100 points scored on them. The only team that hadn't had 100 points scored on them was Georgia. They had 43. <laughs> 43 points scored on them in seven games. So That's awesome. It's one of the best all time. But Alabama, when they play their best, their absolute best, which we've only seen that like once this year against Ole Miss, can probably match up well with Georgia. We have some great offensive weapons. Those will probably get taken off the table. It come, the X factor is our defense because our defense has shown signs of being incredible. We're still only – we're fifth in the nation in rushing defense, and that's one of the things Georgia loves to do. They love to run the ball. So if we can stop that, we force Stetson Bennett, their quarterback, to throw. They've, they've been getting better at the passing attack in the last few weeks. So I think it's, I think it's Alabama in terms of just personnel and how coaching matchups work. Second after that would be Ohio State. Beyond that, nobody. Nobody. So, truthfully, with not having a horse in this race, what I am rooting for, because there's a very realistic possibility that this could happen. If Oregon really does have an easy schedule the rest of the way and Michigan State just dropped out, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Oregon could be three. 
and nobody's going to leapfrog Georgia for one. So if Alabama and Oregon are two and three heading into the playoffs, yes, you're on, you're on that yes. week. <laughs> and that, I, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I have been waiting for this matchup for so long. For so long. <laughs> We've been so close so many times. Bragging rights. Bragging oh, my gosh. Uh, it's usually, it's usually only... Oregon's fault that they don't hold up the end of the deal because I'm pretty right. sure Alabama's been there more times than Oregon has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's fair. I think it's a fair analysis. Uh, that's, that's what I'm rooting for. I want, I want Oregon and Alabama to go against each other, and then that way we can have you on the week before the show. <laughs> yes. You can do like a game day special. Love that. Or that. Yeah. Yeah. More that. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, man. Um, okay, Dom. So is there anything that we need to know headed into the rest uh, for the rest of the way or just this upcoming week? Any notes you have for us? Analysis or who's the Heisman favorite? All that good stuff. Yeah, um, there are actually a ton of great matchups. There, there's the potential for chaos, first off. Um, I think biggest thing to watch is Oklahoma or no Ohio State. Um, Ohio State has three very tough matchups. Purdue uh, just knocked off Michigan State. They're now playing Ohio State. Ohio State also has to take on Michigan State, and they finished the year off with Michigan. So they've got three really really tough games coming up three weeks in a row. Um, so they potentially could get their second loss of the season. That would knock them out of college football playoff contention. Um, Oklahoma. Again, they've they made the quarterback switch. Kay Williams is pretty much starting over Spencer Rattler now. So their offense seems to be rolling way better than they were before. Uh, but they do have a, re- a couple really tough matchups. Baylor, they're going to Baylor coming up this weekend. They're ranked number 18. Um, they just came off a pretty heartbreaking loss. So they're going to be – I would assume they'll be motivated. Um, and then they're hosting Iowa State the week after. Iowa State, all they do is screw up your season. Like they, they will destroy your hopes and dreams. They, they won't beat unranked teams. They'll flop then. But if they're playing an Oklahoma team that has any shot of anything, they're probably going to make your fans have a heart attack. That's all they do. They are the upset underdog classic scenario. So that is a trap game. Always will be a trap game. And then finally, the Bedlam game, number four, Oklahoma versus number 10, Oklahoma State, as of right now. That's that's the culmination of the season. Those are the two best teams pretty much in the big, uh, the big 12. And so that's, that's how Oklahoma ends their season. So those two teams, Oklahoma and Ohio state totally have the ability of losing in the next two weeks. The sec also has a ton of matchups that are going to decide how the conference shapes up Alabama and Auburn. I have tickets to that game. I have tickets to the iron bowl. I'm going to that game. I am scared for my life. Not because I'm going to be around more more tractors than I've ever seen in my entire life, but because Auburn just, like, it's what they love to do. If Alabama is ranked in the top four and Auburn is ranked and we go to their stadium, we are more than likely going to lose. And it's going to be on some BS that nobody ever predicted. It's going to have to do with the refs. We're not going to cover some ridiculous deep ball that's going to get tipped off the defender, tipped off another defender, and go in for a touchdown for Auburn. Uh, fans are going to run on the field, and, and the ref's not going to see it, and they're going to make a tackle. And it's just, you know, it's just things like that. That's that's what's going to happen in this game. 
and I'm just going to get pissed <laughs> off and I'm going to be really frustrated. And then I'm going to go home and cry. That's really all it is. Um, okay. but we'll tie it in. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, if that, ends, I mean, if that ends up happening, you got to be on the next week. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do, man. Look, I absolutely so, will. I just uh, picture, so, picture Dom in fully clothed in a cold shower, just <laughs> in the fetal position, oh just like rocking back and forth. Yeah, like just oh, seen in Casino oh, Royale. <laughs> yeah, exactly just just slowly whispering roll tide to myself you know <laughs> yeah no insane that i trust come on mick please mick help yeah, me exactly <laughs> oh, oh man. man yeah that's probably what uh that's what will happen but they're georgia is going to finish the season unblemished now the, the the interesting thing here is texas a&m potentially if they went out and Auburn loses one more game and they beat us, A&M would go to the SEC championship game. So that is also a weird thing. Alabama not only would not go to the SEC championship game, they wouldn't go to the playoff, but nor would Auburn. Texas A&M would go because they beat us, and they also just beat Auburn. So that's an interesting thing that could shape up. Georgia would then absolutely destroy them and go on to the college football playoff. That's just how that would shape up. Um, so yeah, SEC is kind of weird. We already talked about the Pac-12. The ACC means absolutely nothing this year. Absolutely nothing. Are they playing this year? Nobody in the ACC has any chance at all. They all suck. They're they're taking the year. That off, is right? the forecast for the ACC. The, absolutely, Clemson is the entire conference, and they took the entire year off. So <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Well, well. good riddance, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> No mercy. <laughs> no mercy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know what's going to end up happening over these next few weeks. I don't know if Alabama's going to lose. We're going to get you crying on here. I don't know if we're going to get Oregon versus Alabama. And it's like a face-off kind of thing between you two. Um, but one of those things would be good for the show. So <laughs> I'm crossing the fingers. Now, at least one of them happens. <laughs> Yeah, how bad I wanted to see uh, to see the classic Alabama defenses take on Marcus Mariota, but it's never happened, man. I wanted it so bad. Bro, those teams were so good. Well, that that um, what was it twenty sixteen when Oregon lost to Ohio State? Uh, no, that was twenty fourteen. I know because the Ohio State also beat us. So yeah, but that was probably the best Oregon team in. I mean, they probably would have had the best chance against one of the generic Alabama teams that they trot out every year. That's like one of the best of all time. So, yeah. Well, whatever ends up happening, I'm sure it'll be entertaining and we'll have it covered here because we know we'll have you back on at least one or two more times before the end of the season. So, dude, as always, thanks again for coming on. Um, I know you got a busy school schedule and I know you're like famous up in Alabama now. So um, we, uh, we really appreciate you uh, taking time to, to come talk to college football with us. My pleasure. Always love to do it. And I appreciate, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, of course. Hey, uh, text us your reaction when the rankings come out. I definitely will. I'll give you all, uh, give you all the live update for sure. <laughs> Perfect. And if we get them while we're still on, then we'll just read them. 
Quote, break, breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll read, we'll read, we'll read your reactions. We'll read your reactions, not what's actually going on. But yes. So perfect. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, guys. Yeah, y'all too. Roll tide. All right. Well, we always enjoy having Dom on the show, and I'm really glad that uh we were able to get him on. And it's gonna be really fun if if Oregon and Alabama actually do end up playing against each other. That'd That's gonna be that'd be amazing. That'd be so fun. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we get, we uh, me, Dom and I dress up in suits. We got our Oregon hat, our Alabama hat. We just go like debate show style, like Skip and Shannon yeah. style. The or I mean, he would win all the debates because Alabama is just going to crush Oregon. But still, I could be there. It's, it'd be I'm nice to be you, invited. I'll, we'll, I'll sit sit in the middle. We'll do questions. It'll be it'll be perfect. It'll be perfect. All right, so let's head to the week nine scores from the NFL season. Just a quick recap of what happened. Thursday night football was the Colts and the Jets, 45 to 30. Wasn't that close. The Raiders lost to the Giants, unfortunately. Don't have to spend any time on that. (laughs) The Falcons beat the Saints. They come back, they beat the Saints, 27 to 25. Perhaps the most surprising thing that happened this weekend was the Josh Allens played the Josh Allens and Josh Allen beat Josh Allen. So, for those of you that don't know, it was the Jaguars playing the Bills, and it was 9-6. to six. And the only thing that we heard for the next 48 hours after that game was Josh Allen and Josh Allen, Josh Allen and Josh Allen, oh, and then Josh Allen and Josh Allen. So Josh Allen, the defensive player, yeah. picked off and recovered a fumble and so sacked quarterback Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Defensive Josh Allen sacked him, picked him, and recovered a fumble. So he kind of owned him. Trifecta. (laughs) Josh Allen hat tricked Josh Allen. So Josh Allen went over to Josh Allen and said, get your ass back to Wyoming. You know what the funny thing was? And I thought the best part about that was the defensive player, Josh Allen, totally knew the situation. And after one of the plays was pointing at the back of his name, it was hilarious. It was great. Um, The Browns, after trading Odell, Trading, releasing Odell Beckham Jr. beat the Bengals forty-one to sixteen. By the way, OBJ cleared waivers. He is now a free agent. Just letting you know. I heard a report earlier today that the Green Bay is at the top of the list. So the Patriots beat the Panthers twenty-four to six. Again, the Broncos. Another weird thing. Beat the Cowboys thirty to sixteen. Dak said the cap had nothing to do with it. Who knows? I don't. Even if it did, I don't know if he would come out and say it anyway. But Lamar Jackson. Here's an awesome stat for you. He had more passing yards than Kirk Cousins. He also had more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook. So name me another quarterback that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Lamar, Jackson, Lamar Jackson beat the Vikings by himself, 34-31. to 31. The Texans and the Dolphins played the worst football game in history with like nine or eight turnovers, something like that. Dolphins ended up winning, but I don't think anybody cared. So 17-9. to nine. The Chargers beat the Eagles 27 to 24. The Chiefs beat the Packers 13 to 7. I don't know if Jordan Love could have stepped in in a worse position. I really feel bad for Jordan Love, honestly. So um, the Houston Miami game was a worse played football game than Kansas City Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, if you're Kansas City, do you even feel good about that after that win? No, and you know what the funny thing was? Is that was one of the sentiments that I heard coming out of that game. The talking point that I heard on Get Up the next morning was, if you're the Packers, you actually feel better 
than the Chiefs do in their win because at least your defense was able to hold them to 13 points and give your team a chance. So yeah. if there's anything that you can take away from the Packers as you go, if Rodgers was playing that game, they win by three touchdowns. So the other three games during the week, the Cardinals beat the 49ers 31-17. We'll get to the 49ers later. There's an interesting thing that I found that I'm going to have Sam react to. The Titans – D- destroyed uh, they curb stomped the rams for all intents and purposes it was 28 to 16 they made the rams just look like a middle of the pack team that was that was a statement and for those of you that don't know the tennessee titans have had the toughest schedule so far this season they are six and two currently top in the afc they have the easiest remaining schedule the rest of the way so the number one seed is wide open to, to take for the, for the AFC. The AFC could, I'm all over the place, realistically go through Tennessee. So, and then the refs beat the Bears 29 <laughs> to 27. <laughs> I mean, the Steelers beat the Bears 29 to 27. But Man, if you the, ask anybody who watched that game, <laughs> the refs are pretty clutch in that game. They Came really out were. Late, they were. Man, the Bears couldn't even move the ball on the refs. That's how dominant they were. It was <laughs> okay. nuts. No, they couldn't. So really an interesting week in the NFL. Lots of things happened that I don't think people were expecting. I mean, I don't think anybody upsets. was expecting. Yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting, first of all, the Titans to beat the Rams, um, oh. the Broncos to beat the Cowboys, the Browns to make a statement win against the Bengals like they did, the Jaguars beating – the Bills. I know the Giants were an underdog against the Raiders as well. So a lot of lot of upsets. And I I bet you the Saints were a favorite against Atlanta. I don't know that for certain, but they might have been a favorite at home against Atlanta. Um, and then the I'm sure the Niners ended up being favorites against the Cardinals once Kyler Murray was ruled out. Maybe, maybe. And um, not even just Kyler Murray. DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, yeah, that's uh, true. Chase Edmonds missed. So uh, let's talk missed. about that since we're talking about that. Why did they lose? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like we said, um, I can't remember what team we were talking about. I think it was Cincinnati when they lost to um, the Jets. The Niners just seemed like they were totally expected to show up and win that game. And it just seemed like there was no game plan or preparation put in. I, that de- The Niners defense, which has been playing – really well this year um not crazy like historic numbers but they've been playing pretty serviceably and playing pretty strong um definitely not the point of of weakness and contention for that team just got ran all over by James Conner and pretty much a a second string unit almost that Arizona was putting out there I mean Colt McCoy looked pretty sharp having not started in, in a long time I mean Rondell Moore was running around. And, uh, Christian Kirk looked really good. I mean, we're talking about third and fourth string wide receivers coming out there and just manhandling that 49er team. And the offense, it wasn't Jimmy G's fault, really, uh, for the slow start. It was just unforced turnovers. Like, Kittle looking looked great coming back from injury. Yeah. I mean, he came off line. You could – Definitely tell that they were trying to get him the ball early and often, and he looked like re- he looked as good as normal. Um, 
but just that really bad turnover where he's got the he's got the the bread the bread match a little too far away and it just gets popped out and then same thing happens to Ayuk in the next series it's like you can't give bad teams the hope and belief that they can beat you and that's really what the Niners do and they put themselves behind by too much and at that point Arizona still has talent on that defensive side and they really showed um that they could slow down that Niner team and it was just a bad loss bad taste and now Kyle Shanahan seems like he's going to lose his job for it well speaking of Kyle Shanahan I saw this earlier in the week if you can't really tell who that is that didn't work as well as I wanted it to but it said Kyle Shanahan has the exact same career win percentage as Chip Kelly the former head coach of the 49ers Kyle Shanahan is currently 32 and 40 in the regular season. Chip Kelly is 28 and 35 in the regular season. I think for somebody who doesn't necessarily follow the 49ers as much as you do, I mean, I, I pay attention to the NFL a lot, but that seems kind of damning for Kyle Shanahan. For somebody who has been praised as this offensive genius to really have that kind of resume, I don't, that's kind of damning. Well, so I think a part of this is, um, I think this totally goes to why Kyle went out and John Lynch and him, and him uh, decided to target and be aggressive and get a quarterback for the future. Because when Jimmy G hasn't started, you have names like C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins, uh, Blaine Gabbert started some time for, during Kyle Shanahan's um, tenure here in San Francisco. And before Jimmy Garoppolo even was traded there, the Niners were a one-win team before he even got there. So taking into account all the talent that he's had to work with uh, and try it like on that offensive side, I don't think you can really judge his record at all. I mean, it's not his fault that his quarterback can't stay healthy. It's not his fault last year that his whole entire team couldn't stay healthy and they couldn't even, they couldn't even play games in their home arena. They had to play in Arizona and live in a hotel for the half of the year. I mean, there, there's different, there's definitely explanations for his struggles. And I think the only reason this is coming up is because there's these mistakes that come up in his game and his uh, coaching game plans this year. Uh but I think this is just, it's just a down year for him. I mean, players can have down years and I think coaches can have down years. I think he, there's no way that the Niners should pull the plug on having Kyle Shanahan as the leader of this team. That would just be ludicrous. The guy's been to two Super Bowls. I mean, that would that, just be insane. I mean, we'll see what happens with them going forward. But I just found that that was an interesting, it was interesting that those two coaches shared that, that, percentage I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that but um so for everything else obviously you know this episode releases on Thursday we film on Tuesday it's a little more relevant to us now but not as much to you guys on Thursday so we won't really get into any of the games just upset weekend in in week nine of the NFL season where we've reached the halfway point really some interesting games that's going that have been going on um or that went on that week uh just a quick thing about that that Raider game for if you if you're Raider fans and you're watching this, that game felt exactly like the the Bears game. For me, it just it it felt that way. Um, and look, I'll be in Derek's corner for, probably until he's not a Raider anymore. Whether that 
I, I'm imagining, I don't think they're ever going to fully, I don't think they're going to trade him if they did whatever. I think he's going to retire as a red, but bottom line is he lost that game. That was, that was on Derek. Um, and for as well as he's been playing, I mean, he's been playing at an MVP level this season. He, he was off like uncharacteristically off. If Derek is nothing else, he's accurate. He's always been accurate with the football and he takes care of the ball. He had three turnovers that game and he just, he had Waller in the back of the end zone. That would have been a touchdown. Totally overthrew him. Waller was also at the goal line. Wasn't a great throw. I thought Waller should have caught it. Could have been placed better, but that's probably on both of them. He was just off all day. And it really stunk because the opening drive for the Raiders, and it was the same for the Giants. The Giants came out and they marched right down the field. But so did the Raiders. The Raiders came out and just flew up the field. Like everything was working. Josh Jacobs was back and he had his best game of the year. That boy cannot stay healthy. And it really stinks because he came back and he looked like he had some, some juice. And it was really, really good to see. I mean, you look at the Giants. I mean, listen, listen to the stat line. Based on just the numbers, you wouldn't have expected the Giants to win. The Raiders had 400 total yards, 403. The Giants had 245. The Giants didn't even have 100 net passing yards. The Raiders had 286. The Raiders were averaging six yards per play. The Giants were only averaging four. The Raiders had 24 first downs. The Giants only had 16, but really it came down to turnovers. It came down to turnovers. The Raiders had three turnovers. The Giants had one, and Derek was just off. It was an off game. So if Derek is at his best, they win that game, and I don't think it's close. They had opportunities to – to. I mean, honestly, for as horrific as they played, they were driving at the end of the game to tie the game. As bad as they played, they were still right in at the entire I mean, way. They were, so They were playing a bad team. Yeah, they, uh, yeah. So, I don't, know. I don't know how much the Henry Ruggs thing played into it. Um, I don't think it played in as much as the John Gruden thing did. I say it's fifty-fifty. So, I think it's one of those things. The Raiders had every opportunity to be number two in the AFC right now. If they win that game, they're sitting at six and two, and they're only one of two teams at that point. To, um, they would have been one of only. Well, three teams to have six wins in the AFC. So what they've done now is they're five and three and they're heading into the meat of their schedule. These next three games are really going to tell you whether or not the Raiders are going to make the playoffs or not, because they have the chiefs, the Bengals and the Cowboys. So if they come out in their 500 out of those in terms of record, um, they might have a shot, but um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be interesting. The rest after that, they have Washington, the Chiefs, the Browns, the Broncos, the Colts, and the Chargers. So it's not like their schedule is a cakewalk. So, but these next three games are really going to tell you whether or not the Raiders are going to make the playoffs or not. So, um, speaking of playoffs, one of the things that we wanted to do actually before we do that, let me mention the power rankings because we were going to do a power rankings like we always do. Um, either Sam versus myself or us versus ESPN. We like doing us versus ESPN. We had settled on a list pretty quickly. Um, unfortunately, ESPN beat us to it. So we made our power rankings 
and then we compared them side by side to ESPN. There was only one. There was only a one team difference. That was it. It was identical. So the ESPN power rankings and technically ours, the first nine teams were identical. It was Arizona at one, Tennessee at two, Green Bay at three, the Rams at four, the Bucks at five, Baltimore at six, Dallas at seven, the Bills at eight, and the Chargers at nine. They have the Browns at 10. We have the Patriots at 10. That was the only difference. So not really a lot to say there. Um, kind of takes a big chunk of our show out. So we're going to replace it with something else. Um, so right now we have reached the halfway point of the season and the current playoff pictures are really interesting right now. One of the things that we wanted to do is just kind of discuss the current playoff pictures and maybe some changes that we think could end up happening before the end of the season. So to start in the NFC, the division leaders are pretty much set. I don't, Sam and I kind of talked about this beforehand. We don't really think these are going to change. So in the NFC, it is the Cardinals, the Packers, the Buccaneers, and the Cowboys. Those are your division leaders. And then right now, the Rams, the Saints, and Atlanta have the wild cards. And the AFC, your division leaders are Tennessee, Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Bills. And then your wild cards are the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Patriots. So we can start in the NFC in terms of what we think is sort of going to happen. I think in terms of the NFC, the division, the division leaders are probably not subject to change very much. Um, and if we, the interesting thing, because this it's not really the Rams that there's really any debate about. I think we're pretty much settled on the fact that the Rams are going to are going to get in. I think that's a very safe bet. It's everybody else at that point because really who now you're picking between right now because so Carolina, Minnesota, Seattle, San Francisco, Philadelphia, the Giants, and Chicago, they are all four and three win teams, and they're the teams on the outside of the playoffs. So pretty much everybody's still in minus Detroit. I don't think Washington's going to jump the Eagles or the Giants. So realistically, who we were sort of talking about was the Niners, Seattle, and then Minnesota. And then I guess we can talk about Atlanta and New Orleans, even though they're currently in the playoff picture right now. So those are really the teams that I think we're looking at. Um, so who do you think out of New Orleans, Atlanta, Minnesota, Seattle, and San Francisco, those five, who do you think's got the best shot? We talked about this a lot beforehand. Yeah, we talked about it. It was mostly came down to because I think all those teams are kind of in the same tier. They all have a lot of really, uh, really big weaknesses, like really clear weaknesses and deficiencies in their within their teams. Uh, it comes down to mostly the opponents that they have left to play. And mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason right now, um, Atlanta – somehow gets my vote of confidence it sort of seems like in my head that they had this awful start to the year and it looked like they were going to be the worst in that division and just seeing them right that ship even if it's against bad opponents it kind of seems like they got that confidence a little bit back and with how open it is in this nfc wildcard race atlanta could get in with nine wins i could totally see i mean they already have four of them so could they find a way to win five games? Um, and then for me, it comes down to Seattle versus the Niners. 
Um, I think Minnesota has had plenty of chances to kind of put their stamp in as a wild card team. And the fact that they've come short in so many games this year against teams that they should be beating or in games that they should be beating, even if it's a team that they shouldn't be. It's just games that they're losing that they really have no business losing. Um, kind of puts the nail in the coffin for me, even this early in the year. Uh, Seattle getting Russ back. A healthy Russell Wilson is a top five, top three quarterback in the NFL. He can carry this team into the playoffs again with especially how wide open this uh, wildcard picture is. And the Niners, they've been bad this year. Can they somehow string together seven wins in their last, um, how many do we have, 10? No, eight? How many games are left? Well, it's week nine, so it really depends on who's had a bye. They've had a bye. Um, there's, 18, there's 18 weeks. So, Would you say it was week nine? Mm-hmm. It was the halfway point. So they have nine more games. So if they win seven of, seven of their next nine, I could totally see it. I mean, this is – could we see the team that went toe-to-toe with the Packers, played well enough to beat the Cardinals with a backup quarterback? I mean, the Niners, any, any given day, could write that ship. Past recent games, performances, wouldn't really tell you that. So I'd probably lean towards um, – Maybe Seattle, Seattle and Atlanta, maybe for me, make the wild cards. The damning know. thing for San Francisco right now is they're 0-3 in their own division. Um, and outside, they're 3-4. and So they're 3-4 and in the conference. Um, Seattle, Seattle with Russ coming back, I mean, you just have more confidence to Russell Wilson than Jimmy Garoppolo. You have more confidence and rust than most quarterbacks in the league. I think San Francisco's probably probably a more complete team than um maybe than Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Well it's tough because I think San Francisco's defense is definitely better. Seattle's offense I think is better than San Francisco. It's just a matter of does the B minus in B minus of the 49ers look better than maybe the A minus and the C minus of the of Seattle. So yeah. I, it's one of those things where th- that is, that's close. Minnesota should have a better record than they do. <laughs> they have lost just the weirdest games. Um, they're currently in the NFC standings right now. They are currently ahead of Seattle and San Francisco in in order. Uh, Carolina is the one who's right outside looking in. I think if Minnesota and Carolina played each other, I think Minnesota wins that game. Um, I think New Orleans and Atlanta, one of those teams is going to get in. It's tough because, you know, with, with the quarterback controversy, not controversy, with the quarterback – stuff happening in New Orleans with Simeon and um, Taysom Hill. I mean, it's really tough to say, you know, what they're going to be. Out of all of the other teams in the NFC who are below them, they have the best unit. They have the best defense. 
Um, hell, you could make the argument that they might have the best defense in the NFC. I don't know if that's true, but it they'd be up there in the conversation. So I'd feel okay picking New Orleans just because they that unit might be able to carry them in. It's, if Simeon plays good enough to win it, I mean, he played good enough to win win them the game last week. I mean, he had two touchdowns and almost 300 yards, and I don't think he had a, a turnover. So he played pretty well, and he's got weapons around him to make him look good. So I would feel kind of safe doing New Orleans. And then, I don't know, it's just a toss-up between Atlanta, I think, and Seattle and San Francisco. So, But the division leaders, that ain't that ain't going to change. Um, and then in terms of the AFC, God, the AFC is just wild right now. So currently, Tennessee, Baltimore, the Chargers, and Buffalo, those are your four top teams. Those are who your division leaders are. Don't think that's – Subject to change. Certainly Tennessee is not going to lose it. Baltimore probably won't lose it. We'll see what the Browns end up being now. They seem to be trending upward, but Baltimore is probably pretty safe. Chargers is a pretty safe bet to, to take that. And then the Bills are, a again, pretty safe bet. There, there aren't any real locks other than Tennessee. And then your wild cards, you're looking at Vegas, Pittsburgh, and New England, and outside looking in right now, you have four or five win teams. You had Kansas City, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Denver, and then Indianapolis is still in it as well. So I think the Patriots are, are going to slide in. I think they'll sneak in. And then I think you'd be pretty safe picking Cleveland to find a way to get in. I don't know if Pittsburgh – They've been playing well as of recent, but I feel like Cleveland is going to squeak in as well. I don't really have anything to back up that other than they've just been – they look like something is different now with them. Yeah. Nick Chubb is back. Uh, Baker has been playing better. OBJ's that distraction is – I'm not saying OBJ was a distraction per se, but that situation might have been a distraction. So that's gone. And you can't deny it. They've played better without it last year and this year. So if there's anything to that. So Cleveland gets in, I think. And then and then you're talking about two teams, I think, because I don't I don't have a ton of confidence in the Raiders right at this moment. We'll see, like I said, we'll see what these next three games for them tell us about the Raiders. Cause they they could very easily beat Kansas City. Kansas City is on a skit and it's a division game. So th- they could win that game. Um, but they could also lose that game. I mean, they're the Raiders, so it just it happens. Crazy. So really who you're, who you're really talking about is probably Kansas City and Cincinnati, two teams who have been good and bad and good and bad. And so the word for that is inconsistent. So I don't, I don't really know. I'm kind of torn between Kansas City and, you know, Cincinnati because I think, I think you and I both think Vegas and Pittsburgh are going to fall out. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, they haven't really given us anything to – it's its almost – it's luck that they got that win against Green Bay because that Green Bay team with Aaron Rodgers is by far the more superior team mm-hmm. on that day. Uh, the Chiefs just – they've beaten the teams that they're – they've beaten bad teams, and they got that one win against Cleveland – 
at the start of the year before we knew what they were. I mean, I might even have more more confidence in the Colts. Sliding yeah, it's over. funny you said that because I were I was thinking about that. The only reason why I would be cautious about picking them is they still. I mean, they've had a tough schedule, but they still have a murder's row of a schedule. Can you um, read it off for me? Yeah, let me. The only thing, the only reason I thought that is because they got both their games. Granted, they were both losses, but they got both those games against Tennessee out of the way. So they have games against their division right left. So they have their the other team still left on their schedule right now is Buffalo, Tampa, New England, Arizona, and Vegas. So you have five teams right now who are above five hundred. Yeah. And, and then, then you rest, have Houston, Jacksonville. You have, yeah, you have Houston and Jacksonville twice. But other than that, you have five right now playoff teams. So, I mean, it's really in their control. If they beat the Patriots and the Raiders, I think they get in. That gets them to 10 wins. And then they can wins. lose. What? You think they get – well, they're only at four right now. Yeah, so, so they have so they have I, to be so they'd have to beat Jacksonville twice, mm-hmm. right? So that puts them at six. Then they beat okay. Let's say they beat the Raiders. They beat Houston. So you're saying they're going to beat Buff? They're going to split between New England, Arizona, Tampa, and Buffalo. They're going to go two and two because they have they have two games against Houston left, right? Right. No, no, they have one. Well, I think they beat the Patriots, and I think they beat the Raiders. So then they have to somehow beat either Buffalo or Arizona. Yeah, or Tampa. Oh, uh, they're not making the playoffs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I even broached <laughs> that subject. There's just no way. They, they might beat Buffalo. I just don't I, – I can't – do you know, how, see, do you know yeah. how Jacksonville beat Buffalo? Right, and that's that's the thing, and maybe that's the overarching thing that we're really trying to get to with this, is the AFC is literally wide open. It's wide open, and it's not as, I don't think, clear-cut as the NFC, because you look at the NFC, right now the seventh seed, the wild card in the NFC, is a 500 team, and everybody under that has a losing record. You have the AFC, and the 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th seed are all above 500. And then you have Indianapolis, who's a good team sitting at 12, um, is four and five. So the AFC is in no way like decided. There are still so many things that can shape out. And honestly, this is gonna make for a really fun end of the season to really not know who is going to get into these wild card spots. I mean, every game is really gonna mean everything to these teams. And even Buffalo and the Chargers, when you think about it, I know that they have they're in the division lead in their said divisions, but they only have five wins right now. I mean, the Raiders right now have the same record as the Chargers. Um, be that, you know, what it what it is, but it's still you a think, thing. Because uh, I still think the Chargers are prone to lose a game that they really shouldn't. Well, so are the Raiders. <laughs> that, no, uh, oh, most definitely. But, I mean, they're, they're a vulnerable team. They're, there's yeah. no reason that they should be a lock. And then – I think Buffalo's a lock. I don't see the Patriots having enough to catch up to them. Um, 
but just to the simple fact, I mean, Buffalo can beat up on the Jets and beat up on Miami. Or they, I think they've already beaten Miami twice. They can beat up on the Jets and uh, win that game against the Patriots again. So I, I think they, they win that division by beating up on that division. Well, it's going to be a really fun end to this season. I, I don't know. We obviously don't know what is going to shake out for them. I mean, for any of these teams, mm-hmm. but it, this has been one of the more fun NFL seasons, I think, in recent memory, just because of the parody of what's going on. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? Or do you think the, the cap of this, of this season, like the best team isn't as dominant as in years past, like all the best teams aren't as dominant and better than their opponents as well i like the, think you don't the have gap that, yeah. isn't as big yeah because i think you don't have that like superpower of let's say kansas city because it's been them just looming over everybody yeah you know it's what it's not one of those things where you can just literally pencil in kansas city they're gonna make the super bowl like you could the previous two years mm-hmm. um and even tampa i mean I know people are still picking Tampa to go to the Super Bowl and, you know, they're going to get healthy on the, on the defensive end, but I mean, Arizona isn't bulletproof and neither is green Bay Dallas proved that they're not bulletproof. The Rams have shown that and Tampa as well. I mean, the NFC has five really strong teams, but they're not without their flaws. And in the past couple of years, there have been teams where you go, I don't see anybody beating them at all, especially like the Bucks towards the end of the season last year. It was like, there's no way anybody's going to beat them yeah. with the way that they were playing. And I'll tell you what, if Derrick Henry was still healthy, Tennessee might be that. Because if their defense is really what they showed against the Rams, if they still had Henry, then I think you could put a place a confident bet in that, one, the AFC would go through Tennessee, and two, that they would make the Super Bowl, which is such a shame because Tennessee has been so close um, the past couple of years, and to yeah. have that injury to Henry is just really unfortunate. Yeah. So enjoy the season, everybody, because this is going to be fun. Towards the end We're of not, year. This is a bad season for us, though, and making picks. Our picks are getting destroyed the last three weeks because of all the upsets and turmoil. Yeah, do we have um, do we have who won last week? You won. Oh hell yes! So what is that now? Six and three for me. Yeah, six and three. I love it because of that love... dumb Chicago game. Oh yeah, yeah. I deserved to win this last week. Well, how did your fantasy team do it? Did you win last week? No, I lost. I beat Shohei because of Najee. <laughs> I won by two points. Um, Thanks, our Shohei. league, our league right now is weird because the number two is like, the, is like the AFC. Yes, because the number two seed right now is five and four, and the number nine seed is four and five. So we're still wide open. I'm gonna get railed this week. I'm just letting you know that right now. I'm playing the number one team in our league. And for anybody who, well, all of you, you don't know who who, um, Liam is in our league, but here's his team. I'll read it for you. Patrick Mahomes, 
Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Mike Isecki, um, Michael Carter from the Jets, Bullock from Tennessee and Buccaneers, and then on his bench, he's yeah, I'm not even going to go into that, but his starters just being Mahomes, Eckler, Taylor, and Cup. That's Eckler's the third running back, Taylor's two, Cup is one, and Mahomes is six. So, and Gasecki's three. So, there you go. I'm going to get destroyed this week. So, I might even, I might rest my players this week. So, oh, freaking Joe Burrow and Jamar. If Jamar Chase dropped that touchdown, did you see that? No. But it was a, uh, it was like a deep route and he, like is uh over the shoulder catch and it went right through his hands and he dropped it. If he caught that, I would have won. That's rough. That is rough. But uh you know what they say, you know, there's no crying in baseball and there's no crying in fantasy either. So let's go. <laughs> there's no crying in baseball. God, so, I need to rewatch that movie. That's a league of their own. Yeah. Shout out. Let's uh let's make our picks. We'll go through these pretty quickly. So we got the Ravens and the Dolphins. Baltimore? Yeah, Baltimore. All right, Saints and the Titans. I'll take the Titans at home over the Saints. Yeah, I think that game will be close. Closer than yeah. I think that defense, Saints defense keeps that close, but I think Tennessee this, we've, we've been talking about trap games all episode. I think that's the word that's been thrown around. Kind of kind of sneaky trap game for Tennessee. They, it might, is. they might overlook this, uh, this uh, Saints team, but I think yeah. you got to take Tennessee. Well, the Bills are going to try to right the ship against the Jets. I'll take the Bills. What a perfect um, team to go up against. Right. Um, Steelers at home versus the Lions. I'll take the Steelers. First, first, word, first win alert. Coming off a bye. Look, I did that once. It backfired on me. <laughs> I like picking on the Steelers for some reason. I picked Chicago last week. <laughs> I might I might pick Detroit. Let's see how it, it Okay, sure. Okay, so out. Colts over the Jaguars, yes. Yeah. The yeah, Buccaneers Colts. over uh Washington, yes. Yeah. Okay, so then we have the Patriots at home against the Browns. This is a very interesting game. I'm gonna be paying. I'm gonna be watching this game pretty pretty closely. This is gonna tell you a lot about both of these teams. Is it? It's in New England. Um, it is in New England. Ooh, that makes it a little so, closer for me. Here's this too: COVID nineteen outbreak sidelines multiple Browns players ahead of Patriots matchup. Nick Chubb might not play in this game. You're joking. Well, I'm definitely not winning in fantasy then. So running backs, Nick Chubb, um, Felton, and John Kelly have all tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I believe Chubb is vaccinated. I believe he's vaccinated. I think his so question. he still play? Yeah, I think it's questionable if he's going to play. But that is still looming. I've been talking about the Patriots this whole show. I've been – talking about the Browns as well but the Patriots the number one thing about the Patriots is they take away what you are best at so I think they're going to do everything they can to make Baker Mayfield beat them so I think I'm going to take the Patriots at home it's always a tough place to play up in Mm -hmm. Foxborough 
So I think I'm going to take the Patriots at home against the Browns. Um, I'll take the Browns. Okay. Um, Cowboys at home versus the Falcons. Dallas better win. Yeah. Uh, Panthers at home. I mean, Panthers on the road against the Cardinals. I'll take the cards. Yeah. Is um, Kyler – Kyler might be back for that game, right? Maybe. Because he was a late scratch yeah. for the Niner game. It also says Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold expected to be sidelined several weeks. So there you go with that. So, um, Chargers at home versus Vikings. Take the Chargers. Ooh, this is going to be a close game. I bet this game goes to overtime. Calling it. Taking the Chargers. Wouldn't be, su- wouldn't be surprised. Um, Aaron Rodgers, um, there's a small possibility he doesn't play against Seattle. If he does, then I take the Packers. Yeah, that's a ooh, that would be huge for the Niners if Green Bay beats Seattle. Mm-hmm. He better uh, play. Broncos at home versus the Eagles. Take the Broncos. Give me Philly. Okay. Um, I always pick the Raiders, so I'll pick the Raiders at home versus the Chiefs. Raiders at home. Raiders are at home. Mm, I could I could definitely see them bouncing back. From it's an interesting loss. game. I think that's really a pick-up game with the way that the Chiefs have been playing. Um, till... I mean, the Chiefs have been playing worse than the Raiders have this year. They have been. <laughs> um, I will go with the Raiders for now. Okay. Um, and then I will take the Rams on the road versus the Niners. Oh, will you now? I will. <laughs> I think Kyle Shanahan is going to silence all the critics beat his boy Sean McVay which he has I don't know how I don't know how he's gonna do it but somehow <laughs> the Niners are gonna win I don't don't ask me how okay so we are differed on Rams Niners uh Eagles Broncos and Patriots Browns we are um Rams Niners Monday Night Football Rams Niners are Monday Night Football Ooh, I get to watch it. So your team is Monday night and my team is Sunday night. So there we go. Oh, that's that. sick. Oh, that's a go. nice slate. So how many games are we? We are different on three. We are different on three. Um, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. Okay. So now yeah. we're different on four. So we're, um, what are we the same on? Uh. You were going to flip with the Lions and the Steelers. That's right. Okay, I'm going to pick the Lions. Okay, so there's five games. That's our biggest difference. That's I'm going all in. You are going all in. <laughs> Chips to the center of the table for this week. Dude, this is so dumb. I'm picking the Lions and I'm picking the Niners against the Rams. Those are very... Nobody's forcing you to do this. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, one of the things that we were going to save to the end of the show, because it has nothing to do with sports, Sam and I just mm-hmm. actually on the same day, wasn't planned, ended up going to see The Eternals, a uh, new Marvel movie that came out. Um, if you have not seen it, Thank you for watching the episode. This will be, we'll talk about the movie a little bit. It's not going to be for very long, but it is, we'll talk about some spoilers. Um, so forewarning, giving you a warning now, if you haven't seen it, turn off the video. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week. Have a you good week. Kind of thing. You don't really need to go see it. I mean, it's not that bad. Um, 
don't listen to him. <laughs> so we actually have different different opinions on this, which is why we're going to talk about it. So, um, do we want a positive review for? Actually, we'll let the we'll let the coin decide. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, let, the is, let the chance decide. <laughs> shield versus letter. So I'll, I'll be the letters. You be the shield. Here we go. Okay, you're the shield. So actually, if I'm doing that, then. But here, I'll let it hit. Okay, landed inside. Letters up. So that's me. Um. So here's the, here's the thing. Walking away from the Eternals for me. Um. So the Eternals is the newest Marvel movie that just came out, um, starring Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, uh, Selma Hayek. That movie. you got to give a little bit of context. You just went well, straight I, in. I think people know what the Eternals is. Are. This, uh, um, is this the first movie of Phase Four? Did they count Black Widow in Phase Four? No, I don't know. Um, it's certainly the first movie that is after everything. Um, yeah. But so here, here's what I'll say about the Eternals. I think, I think they're going to be two crowds of this movie. I think there are going to be people like myself who really appreciated the how different this movie felt because um, when they brought in director Chloe Zhao, um, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, mm-hmm. um, Marvel was kind of praised with bringing in her because she is such a different director than everybody that they've had before. Do you um, know what else she's done? Uh, you can pull up her movie slate. I think she's been nominated for a couple of Oscars. I think she won one. Um, which is she's just a pretty she's a very visionary like that's that that was the word that was used with her was she was a visionary director she was her her movies are are beautiful um and they're shot very differently than any of the other marvel movies oh she shot um she did no nomad nomad yeah yeah yeah. there you go and that uh won the yeah the oscar so um Mm -hmm. so she she has a very good reputation um and it was a very artistically shot movie like it was visually very pleasing and it looked yeah. different than a lot of the oh shang chi is a part of thing for uh phase four i'm sorry yeah um but uh it looked different than any of the other marvel movies it was very different in that sense um and it did feel different so i think they're going to be two crowds of this movie i think they're going to be people who really walk away who love that and i think they're going to be people who walk away and didn't really enjoy the change um the biggest criticism that I've heard of the movie is that it was overstuffed and they just tried to do too much. I understand that. I can get that. There is a lot that goes on. It's a two hour and like 40 minute movie. It's a very long movie. With previews, it's three hours. Yeah, it's a very, very long movie. And I was reading an article today talking about how it was somebody talking about how it could have been a shorter movie, but the line that he used was there aren't really any scenes that scream out to you that need to be cut. Um, And I agree with that. And for me, there's a lot of character development, at least in terms of there's a lot of flashbacks, um, which I appreciated. And with 10 Eternals, not everybody was going to get like this major character arc. Is there so that was, I believe there's 10. Um, not everybody, eight, nine, or 10, something like that. There was a bunch. There was a bunch. Yeah, um, there was. 
It's a big ass team. Yeah. So that if you, I went into it thinking that not everybody was going to get this major arc. So some characters getting shortchanged wasn't a big deal to me. And some characters did get shortchanged a little bit. Um, but the action was, it felt really different. That's the word that I keep using, just different. It was a different type of Marvel movie. The action was cool. Um, the the deviants looked really interesting. I liked their designs. Um, they looked a lot like um, Edge of Tomorrow aliens. Yeah, they did. Yeah, because with the sort of like wavy sort of design. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but you're 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 one hundred percent right. I just thought it because it looks like a standard stock alien monster thing. Yeah, you're you're one hundred you're one hundred percent right. It's not anything crazy, but I didn't think it really needed to be. Um, and their powers were all interesting. Um, it was cool to see all their abilities. It was a pretty slow movie, not going to lie. There's not a lot of fights. There really isn't a lot of action in this movie. There's like the opening scene, the fight in the woods, and then the end. That's really it. Um, so there's not a lot. And a lot of people may not like that because you just come off a movie like Black Widow where there's a freaking explosion every 10 minutes. Uh, it's super fast paced. This movie's polar opposite of that. Um, I wasn't expecting the twist with uh, Icarus being the villain, I guess. Um, even though I wouldn't even classify him as the villain per se. Um, but I wasn't expecting that. So that was interesting. I actually enjoyed that. I thought that was a cool route that they went. Um, and I liked it. I don't think it's going to crack anybody's top tens for Marvel movies, but uh, I appreciated the the ambition that that Chloe had with this. And it was it was a very different Marvel movie, and and I I enjoyed that. It was it wasn't your run of the mill Iron Man two kind of movie, and uh, it it was it was refreshing for me. Yeah, it definitely stands out. Um, I I just think, uh, I guess we're on first name basis with her. Chloe did yeah. a a good job with what she was given. I mean, yeah, to introduce and give a satisfying arc to ten different characters, plus a villain, plus um, Hashram. Yeah, yeah, the, however you pronounce it. The yeah, celestial, the main yeah, celestial. Yeah. Um, fleshing him out and doing all this with repeatedly going back to different times over different centuries with the present day then setting up the rest of this series then setting up kit harrington's black knight black knight yeah and that was blade in the um in the ex in the post-credit scene um that was mahershal ali as blade that was his voice oh was it yeah she uh, she actually confirmed that in an interview that was him Oh, that's sick. That's actually a sick um, casting. I don't know if we've ever it talked is. about that. Yeah, um, I love awesome. love Murder Shawley. But yeah, visually this this movie was awesome. It was epic. I mean the yeah the powers the powers were cool. I don't think they really explained them ever at all, and I didn't yeah. really catch it because um, people just kind of did stuff uh, yeah. Yeah. at different times. Um, I don't know. Part of me just found it really hard getting introduced to these characters. I, I'd almost um, compare it to 
another big time movie, big time sci fi movie that just came out in Dune. Okay. Did I haven't see seen Dune? Dune yet. No, Bree and I, Bria and I are going to watch it next week. So. so, both these movies have to introduce this giant world because this, the Eternals world is almost like it's on a grander stage. It's eternal. <laughs> and it totally, totally eclipses what we've just spent 20 oh, yeah. years talking about with the Avengers. It just makes it look like a little. Teeny tiny little ant. Oh yeah. To this Eternals, and then they just—if I, I said this to Jason, um, if someone were like up to date with all the information on the Eternals, like read every comic book issue that the Eternals are in, I think this movie maybe satisfied what they yeah. were looking for because they have all that information, that background information, and they can fill in the dots. But for someone like me, I didn't. I wasn't really familiar with the Eternals at all. I think the, I don't know. I feel like this movie was just trying to tackle so many things. And I think it was tasked with tackling so many things that it really hindered its ability to be, make something special with one of those things, whether it be the deviants not really being fleshed out in this movie, whether it be, I know you mentioned the twist of Icarus being the villain, but I didn't really get why he turned against the Eternals, um, and then going into this question of what makes someone alive. I mean, these are synthetic beings. They don't really tackle that part, and I'm sure they'll go into it, so maybe that's not even a fair statement, but uh, yeah, yeah I just, and then getting involved with some of these characters, uh, there was the what's the speedster that signs? What was her name? I don't, I don't actually remember her name, but she she was a, a badass. She was sick. And how they shot her, how they shot that speed um, was really cool. I think I thought that was different than anything that had been done. Well, uh, you're right. And you know what it reminded me of? It was completely opposite of what DC did with The Flash. They, like, slowed him down. Yeah. But if you, if any of you have ever played, like, the Injustice games, when you're playing as Flash, like, he's just moving all over the place. Right. And when she was fighting Icarus on the beach, it was like that. And that made it more pleasing and more satisfying than what just watching slow-mo. Because yeah. watching her just pound him into the rock was awesome. That was a great shot. Yeah. Yeah, big time. I mean, but I, I thought she was a cool character, but it would have been yeah. cool to get a little more emotion from her. Mm-hmm. And the really because she was just put away for the whole movie. Pretty much. And she just yeah. showed up at the ship and then uh Druig, the the guy that could mind control mm-hmm. or whatever, he seemed like a really interesting because he was like the main almost counter to what the Eternals were doing. It would have been interesting for him to like maybe get a couple monologues of what is going on in his head. Yeah. But it was almost like, oh, like I, this is what I was talking about, like well, I was right, blah, blah, blah. Like it was right. It wasn't a lot from it. And I just think it, it has to come down to um, the fact that there was 10 of them and they, there's just not enough movie and not enough time to do that. I mean, Justice League had to be, the Zack Snyder cut had to be that long oh, introduced, introducing half as many characters. Yeah. yeah. So that's just the gripe that I had. Because um, I just came out of the theater and I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I was expecting a like an awesome, crazy experience. Um, 
And I think I think it, I kind of came out a little under underwhelmed. Right. And so that would be the thing. If you're going to see this movie, temper your expectations for what you've seen from Marvel so far. Um, because if you go into it actually thinking it's going to be a Marvel movie, it it doesn't feel like one at all, almost. Um, so it's not going to be like anything you've seen. One of the other things that I want to hit on was the introduction. Big spoiler for anybody, if you didn't know this was coming. I knew it was coming because I read about this stuff all the time on just online. But uh, Harry Styles being introduced um, to the MCU mm-hmm. as uh, Thanos' brother. Um, he, which he's actually a good guy. Um, the uh, the thing for me, because my sister is a huge is a huge Harry Styles fan, um, and the thing for people who know Harry, because she asked me what I thought about him being introduced to the MCU was, and it's you know Natalie, she's only four years younger than me, but like for me these characters are, and same for you, uh, people who are our age, like we like grew up with this group of characters. Like we were watching Iron Man when we were 12 years old um, and we grew up with this arc. Um, And so there's, I think a part of us that, you know, when you introduce new characters, it's going to be an interesting feeling out process and correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I, so I don't know Harry Styles really as the singer because I don't listen to his music. I don't watch him do anything else. So when he shows up on screen to me, he's really just another actor. I know who he is, but I don't actually have any connection to him anywhere else, really, other than this movie. Because I don't, I don't really watch him anywhere else. So the thing for me, as somebody who's kind of a casual person of knowing Harry Styles, I think some people might look at that casting and go, "Why is he here?" Kind of thing. Like, is he even a good actor? He was in Dunkirk. He did well in Dunkirk. I had, there was no gripes about him being at Dunkirk. He did really well there. The thing for me that I'll say is if he does really well in this role, then it, it's not who cares if he's Harry Styles because what he's going to turn into for a lot of people is just his character. And so that's what I told my sister. I was like, look, I know, I like, I don't know him. I don't hate him. I don't like him. If he does well in this role, then it's not going to matter that he's Harry Styles. If he does well, then nobody's going to blink an eye, or nobody should blink an eye. I don't know. A part of me um, in that moment, because it's so fresh and we don't really know anything about that character, it just looked like Harry Styles on screen with a camera. Yeah. True. Which kind of it kind of felt like that. Like it was, oh, there's Harry Styles. Not oh, there's I don't even know what his character, the brother of Thanos. Yeah. Like you don't really think of him like that. Uh, it kind of. Reminds me of um, Matt Damon in Thor 3. <laughs> where it's like, yay, that's an actor, dude. But that's Matt Damon. Like, that is yeah. Matt Damon playing Loki right now. Like, that's what it, this is a, a casting that almost takes the audience out of the movie and back into, like, pop culture and real world. Like, oh, okay, yeah, th- those right. are, that's an actor right there. That's a really famous actor. Right. Um, and I, so yeah, so I think for, and I understand that. And I think for somebody, like I said, like myself and yourself with this, maybe, and I don't know if you feel this way, but. Man, you're talking again, to me a lot right now. <laughs> well, I said, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> 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 um, 
but uh, it's one of those things where it's just, I mean, I, I understand that, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know him as really anything else. Um, I know his face, but um, if he does well in his role, then great. Welcome to the MCU. And I hope you're a great character and I hope you knock it out of the park. Seriously. Um, so well, it's the same, it's the same thing. Like um, almost like Dave, Dave Batista, who was coming yeah. from yeah. wrestling straight into acting and that, uh, Drax was his first role. I mean, it's sort of that same thing. Or like when The Rock was first starting out, he was yep. uber famous from something John else. Cena. Yeah. So yeah, you have these people who come in from these other massive careers. Um, of course, John Cena we've never actually seen on screen, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> that's an overused joke. <laughs> <show. laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if he's and then by the way. So Bree, somebody who's a huge Game of Thrones fan, did not know that um, Kit Harrington was in this movie. <laughs> um, oh, really? Uh, or at least I don't think she knew that he was going to be a part of. Well, I know for a fact she didn't know he was going to be a part of the MCU moving forward because in the after credit she looked at me. She was like, "Is he going to be in movies coming forward? Uh, going forward?" I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Yes." <laughs> um, <laughs> does she, she like? Uh, does she like Richard Madden? <laughs> that was my next story we're sitting in the theater right and we're 20 minutes into the movie and she asked me she turns to me and she and this is coming from somebody who's a huge game of thrones fan in her she turns to me and she goes who is that i've seen him before i was like i was like rob <laughs> oh she, my god and she and she sits there and goes oh my god <laughs> hey. She had she had had half of the beer. So she, <laughs> <laughs> what? That's nothing. She's, she's a lightweight. Okay, she'll tell. She'll be the first one to tell you that. But I. Uh, but has she only seen Game of Thrones once, all the way through? Or no, she's she seen, seen it, it twice. twice. And she loves Game of Thrones. Like she loves Game of Thrones. And she actually, she was sitting there, and she actually, and it is really creepy how close him and Bucky look alike. Um, but just in the, yeah, um, there was a side by side of both of them in their Marvel stuff, and I was like, it is kind of shocking how how close they look alike. One's um, Romanian and one's English. That has nothing to do with it. I think, um, make, is Richard Man Scottish? I don't know. Um, but yeah, she looks at me and she goes, "Who is that?" And I was like, "Uh, Rob," <laughs> because the first time they were on screen together, I turned, I whispered in her ear, I was like, "Stark." <laughs> And, oh yeah and, when they were on screen i thought that was so funny yeah i was like dude for anybody who's watched game of thrones it's like oh my god here are the brothers again on screen so their face they haven't they haven't seen each other since season one of game of thrones which was 2011 so there you go there was um there's a couple game of thrones people wasn't there so Oh, wasn't there? Wasn't there another? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, what did you think of um, Angelina Jolie in the MCU? I mean, she was good. She was good. I mean, her role wasn't meant to be huge. Um, I kind of liked the the character like twist, not twist, but the the difference that they had with her and everybody else, and still having kind of part of her memories. And um, 
her kind of going psycho every once in a while. That was that was a neat uh, change up, I guess. Um, did you like Sprite? We didn't like Sprite very much. Why did Sprite turn on the others to help? Because Icarus? they they had mentioned a couple times in the movie that she was in love with Icarus. Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, you say that now, and then you, okay, know, you go back so, to you go back to Star Lord loving Gamora, and he beat the shit out of Thanos, and that ruined everything for everybody. So. Star Lord isn't thousands of years old. Well, okay, then you're just making a case for Sprite for loving for that being more of a, a reason to go because she's been in love with him for thousands of years. Or she should get the hint for thousands of years. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that she is a child. Maybe. Um, I don't get why Icarus turned on. Like, is he designed to be that loyal to well, the plan or something? Like, if I mean, if um, Ajax were, was really like the commander and he followed Ajax, then why wouldn't he have listened to her? Well, I think because I mean, he had been he had been lying to everybody, obviously, for thousands of years and. You know, as far as he knows, he's been, um, I mean, this, he has known what his purpose was for a long time. And that was to, um, to give, well, basically have earth give birth to the celestial. So he had been operating under that for a long, long time. And, um, what they, what they needed to do was just, because I get what you're saying. It did seem kind of sudden. What they needed to do was establish whether or not him and Ajax had been in constant contact over the past thousands of years. Because you would think that Ajax would have told him sooner that she was leaning that way. Um, yeah. uh, that Earth Earth might need to be saved as opposed to six days before the actual event. So, so what they would have... Six days? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking we should just stop it. Um, I've been sitting back for like three centuries. Yeah, right. Exactly. So so that's one thing that they probably could have done better was establish whether or not they had still been in communication. Um, And how convenient, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but how convenient is that that the deviants just melted out now? Who knows? (laughs) Um, Who knows? And, you know, I I, would have been actually more okay with them, with Icarus saying that he melted the ice or he went and found them. Um, but, uh, tell you what, when, when, uh, they froze the celestial that was coming out of earth, I turned to Brie immediately and was like, earth's about to flood. (laughs) When that, when that stuff breaks, earth has got other problems they got to worry about. Um, oh, and also, did you catch the DC reference in the movie? The Superman? Yeah. What was that all about? I don't know. I think it's like a, it's almost like a direct shot that at was, DC. Well, here's the thing. So there was an article a long time ago talking about how Icarus um, was inspired by Zack Snyder's Superman. Um, but there has never been any mention of there being another universe, right. like di- like DC characters in Marvel. So when they mentioned Superman, I sat back and was like, uh what was that does that mean that dc somehow exists in marvel it kind of makes sense well i think it is it exists as a show like as like comic books maybe yeah because it's because marvel takes place 
in our reality like they they're in new york they're in san francisco like these are real cities and it's staged like in our time right it's not like yeah. in gotham in metropolis in made up right i just thought that, that was an interesting little i was like i didn't expect to hear superman name during this movie but yeah but, but you didn't think of anything of the the shot like i don't wear a cape or something i thought that was kind of like a shot almost no i i'm sure i'm sure that they if they were going to use that line that they got approval to use that line um but i mean marvel has you i mean deadpool has talked about dc once but that wasn't in the mcu that was his own standalone movie but whatever um I mean, to put a wrap on this, there's some interesting stuff that's coming down the pipeline. I mean, you have the Multiverse of Madness. You have the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out. You have Morbius, which, if you watch the trailer, seems to be set in every Spider-Man movie timeline ever. (laughs) You have references to all three Spider-Mans in the trailer, which is just ridiculous. The comment section after the Morbius trailer was was like a fan. Somebody wrote like a fan asking Sony, what timeline is the set in? And Sony's answer, yes. <laughs> was, it was all of them. Like, yeah. It was ev- reference to everybody. Um, so that that's interesting. Um, Venom is now in the MCU. Um, the Eternals are now here. Black Knight's coming. Blade is coming. Guardians Volume 3 just started filming. Um, that, yeah. And Thor Love and Thunder is coming out. Um Christian Bale, by the way, the bad guy in that movie, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, so a lot of interesting stuff that that's coming from Marvel and yeah. hell, even DC as well. So, um, yeah, it was fun to talk about movies. I would love to do just a movie episode one of these one of these days. Um, so even though you're wrong, I'm not wrong, but we can do our own like movies like <laughs> move. Uh, um, all right, so thank you guys so much for listening to episode well, and watching episode 109 of Nothing to Say to Fans podcast. We really do appreciate it. Um, enjoy your week. Have fun watching football um, and doing whatever else you're going to do. So. And thanks again to uh, Dom Taylor, our guest, for coming on, uh, killing it again. Hopefully, we see an Oregon Alabama game, but who knows? That'd be fun. All right, well, go Raiders. <laughs>